You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for joining us again. Again, we're on three times a week with this podcast, and we do two YouTube channels, and we have a TV show. There's a lot of... But speaking of the TV show, I have news. Yes. I'm very excited. Season 11 is now available more than just cable. It's still going (laughs) on Motor Trend. It's now available. Yes, you can get it on Amazon Prime. You can also get it on Vimeo. So if you are not in the U.S. and you can't get on Amazon Prime, which actually the Amazon Prime stuff is only available in the U.S. and U.K. I am sorry, Canada. I can't explain it either. That's on Amazon. I cannot explain it to you. I don't know. But it is available now. Season 11, all of it, is available there on Amazon Prime and on Vimeo. So just go to our website, everydaydriver.com. Go to... The link's right there on the homepage for Season 11 for either Amazon Prime or Vimeo. We would love to have you watching all of Season 11. Remember, some of it has already been on YouTube. More of it is coming to YouTube, but you can see all of it now, including our Z-Car 86 piece, which is coming up, and probably the best-sounding episode we've ever done, The Road to F1. It sounds so good. It does. It makes you ache. It and sounds so good. The uh, Amazon feed is the best way to watch the show. Genuinely, it is the best way to watch yeah, the show is off Amazon. Monterey Weekend and Pebble Beach Weekend 2022 just completed. We have to talk about a few auction car prices, but the winning car from Pebble Beach, the show, was a 1932 Duesenberg J Fagoni Sports Torpedo, and it underwent a three-year restoration, so it's far better than new. It was modded to far better than it ever came out of the factory. (laughs) Of course, yes. It competed in the 1932 Paris to Nice Rally and a Concours in Cannes. And it had Providence, straight eight, beautiful car. Apparently, it's been quite a few years since an American car won Pebble Beach, the show. But I do love that the people that are into cars are putting their money into restoring these. And these kinds of cars will outlast their current owners. That's why we have auctions. Yeah, okay. They will completely outlast and be around for years to come, hopefully, along with the tribal knowledge to fix and improve them. <laughs> that is the secondary part that we haven't solved yet. <laughs> We saw a Ferrari <laughs> oh F40 sell for almost $4 million. Isn't that a record for those cars? It's getting up there, yes. I, I think for F40s, that was a record. A 94 Bugatti EB110. Super cool car. $3.167 million. Oh, my gosh. Then I watched a 95 Ferrari 512M, which was the last, most bestest version of the Testarossa <laughs> in black. Yes. Uh huh. Including the auction house fees sure, at yeah, the end, yeah. it sold for seven hundred eighty thousand five hundred dollars. And for RM, they charge twelve mm. percent on the first two hundred fifty thousand dollars and ten percent above that. <laughs> so it was really seven hundred five thousand dollars, but then you added eighty thousand dollars on top of that. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll be, they'll be, you know I'm what, not worried about that. You know what kind of car an $80,000 car is? Good. That's a good one. You can oh, yeah. buy a lot of cars oh, for yes. eighty grand. That's the auction fees. And that was the auction fee on top mm. of the sale price, the, the hammer price. The rest of us that are not spending <laughs> millions on a car would love to have the money of the auction fee to go buy a fun yeah. car. Yes. A Ferrari F50 sold for $4.625 million at Gooding. 
And then, of course, the the big dog of the show this year was a 1955 Ferrari 410 Sport Spider that sold for $22 mm. million. This was driven by Carroll Shelby, the winningest car he had ever driven, mm-hmm. and won Manuel Fangio. So yeah, incredible provenance. Major provenance, yeah. Amazing to watch this car. Trading hands, they will still be around. What I love is all these cars just start and run. But that leads me to RM Sotheby's Lot 314, which was a 1995 Porsche 928 GTS manual Mm. that sold for $406,000. Is 95 the last year? It was the very last year. There were very few of them. And the GTS is like the spec, too. It was the pinnacle. They didn't go beyond GTS as far as what they did to the car. It had a lot more power. It is the version you want. Yeah. But this, like the Tom Cruise 928 that sold, is going yes. to make every 928 owner think that their car's worth a fortune. Me. Mine's <laughs> totally on the same level. Exactly. It's just like exactly the, the same. The knob leather's a little worn. It's actually <laughs> Otherwise, non-existent. it's fine. It's sort of flapping in the breeze. $406,000 is a lot of money. Is that a 928 record? It has to be close. It has to be. That's a bunch of money. That includes mm. the entire the auction fees and everything. But still, four hundred grand for a oh man. 928 is way up there. I keep <laughs> focusing on the continuation of cars for future generations, and this mm-hmm. proliferates that, and it makes a problem because they're only sure. more expensive from here, right? Yeah, that's what's terrifying. Unbelievable. Summertime's here, and that means it is car wash season. And my friend Paul tells me I'm always supposed to wash a car in a cool, shady spot. I don't always do that well, but I do use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer, or actually I use the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You have to use this. It's awesome. If you're a person like me who's not good at this, it makes it far easier. You create a high foam blizzard right in your driveway with little to no work, which I really like. You avoid wash and do scratches. It is the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System complete kit today and see what the foam is all about. Griot's also has a full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and Coat, and 3-in-1 Wax. All Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. We have a great topic Tuesday from Ian M who writes to us about high mileage cars and also the worst but amazing cars. Ian's been watching the YouTube channel, listening to the podcast, working his way through the back episodes on his two and a half hour commute through the workday. Ian, thank you for listening, for watching. That's awesome. Thanks a lot for that. Appreciate it. Ian wanted to know if we had ever done an episode with the entire focus on being when you call it quits on a car. Hmm. How old should it be? How many miles should the car have until you just back away? (laughs) And we're done here. (laughs) He says that's not going to change based on the records the the car has. He says the Paul Pristine kind of car would be sensible to pick up with more miles on it than someone else's car with the same number of miles. Yes. I suppose so, even though we're driving our cars. We are, for sure. And I like that despite the money going into them, I like that we're driving them and proving. And no, Mm -hmm. my cars have not sat in the shop. They've been in the shop, but now we're driving them. (laughs) They haven't just stayed in the shop or in the The, nice, pristine garage. The shop versus time on the road. You're absolutely right. Time Mm -hmm. is now balancing out, which I really appreciate. I like that. But Ian says, is there a brand or category of brands also that we dismiss past a certain mileage with normal records? No binders, but they promise, the owner promises they did stuff to the car. <laughs> sure, sure you had did. Had maintenance and a few yeah. receipts for the, for the main things, like oil mm-hmm. changes. Yeah. Well, should Ian just go look at past car talk episodes about this topic? Maybe. You, I suppose you could. 
was more on the, on the mechanical side for, for those guys. Did you know about Car Talk? This is something very interesting about Car Talk. If you listen to this episode, and they're great. Their, their stuff is, is definitive. It, it's defining yeah. in this category. Yeah. Any, there's been a few people that have compared this show to that, and I'm always like, I don't know that, that, that we qualify, because their stuff was great, <laughs> and they went forever. But what was interesting is the structure of their show. Those two brothers are so wonderfully able to play off each other. They would get a caller, and the caller would share their thing, and then the brothers would riff for a bit. Mm-hmm. What's going on behind the scenes is that's when the research is happening. Yeah. It looks like yeah. magic. It looks like we riff for a bit and then here's your answer to your problem. <laughs> the riffing is because they have a staff that is doing the research on what could that be and how would you solve it and that kind of stuff. All right, present the guys with these options. Not because they weren't mechanics and knowledgeable in their own right. They were they knowledgeable. Were. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not like they were just the mouthpiece. They had the knowledge, but they had the staff doing the, that's probably this kind of work. You're hearing the staff right here. This exactly. is the staff. So, <laughs> yeah, we are. The, yeah, this is the entire <laughs> staff of the Everyday Driver staff. Podcast. But it's interesting to me that when you listen to it and you think about it in those terms, you see how seamlessly they pull that off. Plus, of course, they're also, there is a staff that is actually going through the phone calls and picking who are we covering, too. Sure. So they're kind of pre-prepped. Sure. But their stuff was so good. We are not a mechanic podcast. So there is that. But, no, and that was the differentiator. We wanted to focus on the driving. And, yes, for and sure. What we thought you should buy. But this feels uh, very pertinent to me because okay. my wife and I have been talking about her Cayenne. Hundred conversations continue, do they? Yes, because she has 155,000 miles. Okay. We bought it at 64,000 miles. It's running so great. we've put almost 100,000 on it now. It is okay. running very well. Okay. It, uh, it just so happened that between the Cayenne and the Lotus... And the 300ZX, we have spent a lot on maintenance in the last six months. The 300ZX yeah. actually leading the pack because of the shock uh, absorbers that I had put in. The sure. new shocks were sure. quite expensive comparatively to just buying a random Corolla with shocks. So there's that. The, the Cayenne's been okay, but the Cayenne in the last 18 months, because it's been higher mileage, has asked some things of us, which is understandable because it's high mileage. So we're talking about, so what's next and when? And when mm. is the key thing? Mm. And where we are right now, and just because money's a real thing, is the Cayenne probably sticks around for a bit. Think so? I think so. Just okay. the financials of it all. But that means we were, st- we were actually do- doing the whole thing. We were calculating how many miles you're putting on it in a year. Okay, does that mean we're okay. going to go through another round of tires? What do we thought? We were doing the whole dance. Wow. Because the big thing for me, Ian, the big thing that I use as a calculator here is if your car, and I'm talking about annually, Take your, what did that car cost you this year? Mm-hmm. If it cost you as much as it would to be, have split that up into car payments, it's now time. And I'll give you a, a rough estimate. Okay. A new car. You might, and I realize many of us are not buying new. I get that. Okay. We are. And everybody has a different pain threshold based on their monthly income. Exactly. Cash right. flow. But let's just take a $30,000 car. A brand new $30,000 car is okay. approximately. $5,000 for your annual, approximately. It depends on your APR and that kind of stuff, but you're going to spend roughly $5,000 a year on that car to pay your monthly. Okay, so that's all 12 monthly that's payments. That's your 12 monthly payments is going to run about five okay. grand. Okay. Okay. Depends a lot on a lot of factors. So that means if your car cost you in maintenance this year five grand or above, you could have been driving a brand new $30,000 car with a warranty. Now, mm. you just said, Paul. Huh. Every- <laughs> is that the math? Is it- that is the math. That, I, uh, I know. I remember I'm sorry, why I'm I sorry ignore to hear the it. math. Yes, exactly. Sorry about the math. I just but, remembered. Uh, yeah, exactly. But but So this is the thing. is Then you get back into personal interest, which is the 928. 
pain threshold, what am I getting out of the car? There's a lot of things that cannot be financially quantified. But if we're talking about it financially only, Ian, this is where my wife and I are, the Cayenne's running. It's not costing us anything. It's paid off. It takes gas and tires occasionally and some little bit of oil. Okay. We're not going to come close to a car payment on even a used one in this calendar year. You guys have been doing stuff to it, and I think Porsche looked at 200,000 miles on those as a baseline. Probably, yeah. I mean, sure, you can keep putting money into them. They'll go further, but come on, 100,000 miles on those should be nothing. Yeah, so 155 is, we just started our conversation about it legitimately, but we we, we both are like, okay, probably another year in this truck. Some, if you sold it now, somebody else would get all those miles. They'd put another 25, 30, 50,000 miles on them. They'd get the benefit of the miles. Inexplicably, that Cayenne is still worth, based on the market, around 10 grand. Is it really? Which is amazing to me. Okay. okay. Those we'll early Cayennes. It. Yeah. So, so for, the, for now, uh, it's days. And, but this was our math. We did this, all this math this weekend, Ian. And you're right. It is scary math, Paul, when you have things like our old cars and you just go, huh. Okay. Just remembered why I'm not good at math and I ignore the math. Mm-hmm. It's all about emotion for me over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But Ian, there's the Volkswagen Golf Perception at 60,000 miles. Actually, any Volkswagen, just gone. 60,000 miles. Ooh. We've heard that from You m- like to play with fire, do you? Many owners have told Dance us Dance on thin ice. <laughs> name, name, name anything you want. I like that. That's good. But yeah, 60,000 miles. Or Audi's at 70,000. For me, it was that Audi station wagon, the Avant that I had mm-hmm. yeah. back, way back in the day yeah. when we started the show. Mm-hmm. 70,000 miles was coming up, and I went to 72, and I was like, mm-hmm. timing belt is going to need some stuff, and then it did. Or Ferraris with over 2,000 miles, right? Any Ferrari, <laughs> more than like 1,500 miles, like, ooh. They are doing of, a seven-year warranty now. It's crazy. Used yeah. up your Ferrari there, ooh, did you? I'm sorry. Taking yeah. it to Cars and Coffee? <laughs> Twice, <laughs> and now I have to get rid of it. But the big subject here for me is all the formerly hot cars that were susceptible to modification based on filmmaking, based on car movies, Mm. 370Zs and Mitsubishi Evos and the Supras and the NSXs Mm. and the RX-7s Mm. and all of those cars that were, oh, yeah. Now they're hard to find completely stock. It's next to impossible. Good luck hunting for a Honda S2000 that, has not had anything done to it but oil changes. And then the owner is like, I know what I have. If they have one that's stock, for sure. Right. Those cars, I do dismiss. Mileage doesn't matter. Mm, interesting. Because it seems like the owners are just, you know, you, you dump the money into them to modify them for for what reason? Mm. And again, we've covered mm. this about yeah. what's yeah. your mod reason? What's, what are you going for versus just... I want to buy parts for my car and screw them to my car and just do stuff. And you want to mm-hmm. tinker and turn it into something. And then there, there's no goal mm-hmm. in mind. We recently drove an 86, a first gen GT 86. Yes, we did. That has been modified. But there, the difference is there was a particular goal in mind with these modifications. True. True. It yeah. wasn't willy nilly. Mm-hmm. You're right. So that was part of upcoming com, uh, content for the GR 86. But all these cars that formerly very desirable and hot, they're hard to find completely stock and just driven mm. as compared to almost every other car on the road because of filmmaking, because of movement making. That's interesting. That's an interesting. Take I, on it. Yeah. I would avoid them. I just so, so easily dismissed based on, yeah, I didn't really pay attention to the oil changes, but look at the cool cold air intake that I <laughs> really <laughs> must. We, <laughs> I guess we must. 
Well, Ian's other question here is, what is the worst modern car that is more enjoyable than the best older car? Say you had a poster of a particular car, but it turns out that a brand new 2022 Civic Si crushes it in the driving experience. What sort of the what are the surprise hits of today compared to legends of the past? Mm. Well, pretty much anything. I mean, a Camry on modern tires can scare practically any 80s Ferrari. This is true. Yeah. I mean, the 2000, 2006 Lincoln LS, old car, but I think it's still more enjoyable than an old Scirocco with 90 horsepower. Interesting. I mean, yeah, it depends on what you're looking for. Don't right? want it. Yeah. I mean, Phaeton's old and scary and horrible, but still more enjoyable to drive than in a brand new Accord. That's an interesting trade-off. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, there's, it, it does swing That's both the ways. the other direction. Yeah, for sure. But a brand new Nissan Juke is still better than an old Lexus LS400. Hmm. I I think I'm, I don't know. Maybe, okay. I mean, you All right. Okay. Should be reliable. Should be just fine. Old tech cruiser luck uh, luxury. No, no, low luxury. But then the Civic Si, as you said, Ian, is still better to drive than a Countach. Yeah. See, it's mm, better to drive inherently. Yeah. I, than a yes, Countach. Yes. Countach is awesome. You want to be seen in it. You want one as a driving experience. Ooh, and the reason I say that is because it's either yours, mm-hmm. and the harder you push it, you know how expensive it's going to get. <laughs> the harder you push it, the more it costs. Or it belongs to somebody else, and that someone else doesn't want you to push it very hard, and so you're going to back yeah. off and be like, V12 engine with thrashy gearbox, mm-hmm. shifting hard and fast, and really wheeling that thing. You you feel the dollars leave your wallet the yeah, harder you, you drive all that the time, thing. All the time. So therefore, I think the Civic Si is a better car to drive. I but have, I want a Countach. Yeah, I hear you. I have a couple that we've driven that I was just contrasting. I was trying to think, what's what's the car? What I, I've got two extreme cars we've driven. One is the Jaguar XJ220, <laughs> and the other is the Countach. Okay. And okay. I just thought... What's the car you could pull alongside it that is a that is a genuine performance car? What's the car you could pull alongside it and walk up to somebody and be like, that one's better? And they would laugh and they wouldn't ever believe you. The XJ220 <laughs> okay. versus the Fiesta ST. Okay. The Fiesta ST That's a th- is more statement. comfortable, uh-huh. better visibility. It's more headroom. <laughs> you can explore the outer limits of it without concern uh-huh. and you can thrash it around. Now, it's not going to win any top speed contest. The XJ 220s will be laughing from about 100 miles an hour way up. Yeah. But you could park those two cars side by side and walk to someone and be like, the Fiesta is more fun. And no one would believe you, but you would be right. That's and the other one I thought crazy. of was the Countach versus the GR86. Okay. okay. Because the Countach will win any cars and coffee contest. Yes. And it is very difficult to see out of. It's as you've already talked about. It's very difficult to work with. It feels like an event to drive. Both of these do. The XJ220 shift feels, feels like, like an, event. an event. The XJ220 feels like an unbelievable event. Watch our rad trip and watch us drive that car a lot and be surprised by it, good and bad. Mm-hmm. So it's an event. But as far as a car, like okay, I'm going to take this up a road right now. I've got a Countach or or GR86. I'm going to take the GR86. I'm going to have a lot more fun. Which is crazy to think about yeah. because you'd be like, you took the Toyota. Yes, I did. If we're talking about let's go have a fun drive, I took the Toyota because the Countach, there's all the questions. You're right. Every shift is like, is this going to cost me money? <laughs> is that what it costs me money? How much money will this yeah. shift cost me if I actually It's amazing to think about that. And, and this is what happens over time. But the other thing, and we talked about it in the XJ220 piece. We talked about it in the Countach piece. It is a big deal. 
up until the Acura NSX, crazy cars, crazy exotics were okay to not be great to be in. Mm-hmm. And they were okay yes. to be like absurd care and feeding. It was okay that they were. It was just understandable. Yes. I can't see very well. The air conditioning doesn't work. Why doesn't this have windows? Man, I'm not comfortable. That shifter was hard. Gosh, the clutch is enormous. Why am I sitting sideways? This was standard. Right. The NSX right. shows up and says, would you like to drive something that is as easy as an Accord, but runs with the big boys and looks awesome? And now watch. And look, it, it took a while, but, but mm-hmm. all the way up to the last few years with Ferrari with a warranty. If you had talked to a Ferrari dealer in the 90s and said, I would like a a seven-year, 70,000-mile warranty for my car, they would have laughed you out of the dealer. (laughs) Okay? But but we are at a place now where people that have money to buy these cars are also not willing to accept the foibles of these cars. And so the whole market's shifted this way. But exotics are definitely on the the high end. So this does mean things like the Fiesta ST and the GR86 are usable and fun, but so are the hyper-exotics now, too. Yes, but that still begs the question, what's the point of keeping Countach's around? Why aren't all of them in the junkyard? Mm. There is Mm. no redeeming quality whatsoever if a modern 570 McLaren, which is still not the newest thing, that's kind of old news. It's the base McLaren. You're right, the base McLaren. Or a C8 Corvette or a second-generation Acura NSX, if they're all better to drive and they're modern and you know they're going to work and be reliable, (laughs) there is no point to keep Countach's and 80s Ferraris around. Why would you ever invest in a Testarossa or this 512M? Why would you pay that money? That's the Pebble Beach effect. It's the thing you can't get anymore. All of those cars should be laughed at, forgotten, and literally thrown away. Except their art. Except they're rolling art and ex- yeah. the emotion attached to them mm-hmm. and the desire far overcomes every sensible thought you've ever had in your head. You just excuse it. I mean, here's what's it's absurd. They're even more excused now. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Because because that's the other thing. Everything no has gotten to own that 512M. You're not going to drive it. <laughs> Everything has gotten so much nicer that the you and I've talked about this. The stuff that is quirky now has personality and you just go oh, that makes me like it and it's there's no yes. reason to like it i would buy an xj220 and ship it to england and do all the stuff you're supposed do to do stuff. to make it better to drive including have me fit in it if i had crazy money yeah. i would still do that because i want that car to be something that is brilliant to drive and there were things about it i liked but there were so many things about it where i was like yeah this is a meet your heroes disappointing moment your 86 is still far more accessible and fun and instantly out instantly drivable and fun Without, so is the miata so is yes. per, list your performance car supra z car yes all of the above but right there's so much stuff going on in those old cars yes. that feels like a special event that you go yeah but i like this it's that it's that you can't explain love thing you just go yeah but with this entire weekend that's what in car shows are predicated around is love everybody aspires to them we look at listings holy cow a 959 there was i don't know oh, man what the price was but farah matt farah who of course owns a Countach and is doing what you're doing the 928 but through it to a 328 gts ferrari and spending far more money yes but he has a Countach that is apparently on the list of things to be fixed next but he was posting what the Countaches were selling for because they were selling for like one and a half million. And he was going, okay. They're absurd now. Yep. And, though, and, and his runs and is good and he enjoys it and is only appreciated since he's owned it because it's a Countach. 
and they aren't. Yes, it, but it's also the we aren't making any more factor. It, that yes. is that is the reason yeah. S two thousand is up. That's yeah. the reason that NSX is up. And the other thing that compounds all of this because we were just looking at NSXs for a completely different conversation. You and I were looking up mm-hmm. first-gen accurate NSXs mm-hmm. and discovering that all the ones you want, late model year, low mile, the 2000s cars, yeah, were over 100 grand. And a few of them were like 180. And if you're spending that kind of money, you have options brand new. Yes. Spend half. Oh, it's completely. But they're great. And they aren't making any more. And the thing that has compounded it, forget the chip shortage for a second. The thing that has compounded it is all of the, this is the last discussion because of EVs. True. So if you want the analog stick shift internal combustion engine feel, then you have to go back. And there's only so many left. And so you know what I'm going to charge you for that is this. It hasn't just compounded it, it's exacerbated. It's put such a fine point on all these old completely, cars. Completely, yes. None of those will be made in the future. Yes, exactly. It's not just, we don't, we don't do it like that anymore. That we also don't do it, we won't do it in the future. We won't do it again. Yes. Yeah. That's made the prices go up again. And I can justify it all day long because of emotion. There's yeah. no good reason. And I want <laughs> it. <laughs> Your car's dashboard is on the front line in the battle against the sun. And it can really deteriorate over time due to UV damage. A custom Covercraft dash mat protects your dash and keeps it looking new, as well as complementing your interior. These dash mats are available in a wide variety of fabric styles and colors. You can even customize with embroidery or logo. You could put an Everyday Driver logo on it if you wanted. You can make it completely unique to you and your car. Can we get an 86 with the Everyday Driver logo in the corner, maybe intertwine them? you got to work on that, Paul. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, just remember, use the code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount, and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page at everydaydriver.com, or navigate directly to covercraft.com for high-quality covers, sunscreens, and dash mats to keep your car protected and looking its best. Jumping into the car debate from Hayden P. in Raleigh, North Carolina. He is at the place in his life where nothing seems appealing at his new price point. Hmm, okay. He says... Things used to be simplar. <laughs> that, that's a broad statement that applies. That just applies to lots <laughs> of things. Used things to used to be simpler. Yeah. He was debating getting rid of his beloved red FJ Cruiser that has been by his side for the last six years through college. New jobs, buying a house, getting a dog, and more. He's got a severe case of the disease and figures with his new engineering job and a 25-minute one-way commute with mixed highway and back road that... He should have moved on to something better for, suited for road use. Mm-hmm. He was expecting to sell the FJ for more than $25,000 in this crazy car market and take on a small car payment to get into a car at a new price point worth around thirty-five dollars to $40,000. The worst FJ on the planet is worth almost twenty grand right now. Did you just look them up? Well, they're just, I've seen them. I've seen like oh bad ones, beat down ones. Yeah. And my wife's best friend is a Toyota girl. Yeah, she she and the man in her life both bought FJ Cruisers in the last 18 months. They each have one. I didn't know that. They each have one. They're different colors. I knew she did, but... They both have them. Uh, I didn't know. They both have FJ Cruisers. Okay. And their budget when they were shopping was like 25, 30 grand. They wanted nice ones. I was like, that, you know that those don't, again, they don't make them anymore (laughs) and everybody wants them. Ever going to make them again. And you cannot solve the FJ Cruiser rear three quarter complete blind spot. It's just, you're sitting in a cave. Anyway, (laughs) onward. Make fire. 
Make Seriously, <laughs> yes, yes. Make Sorry. fire in the back seat because we're in a cave. It's happening in here. It's going to be dark soon. It's oh, funny. Well, the options were plentiful here for Hayden because he was looking at spending that much. He is, of course, spending far too much free time on Otter Tempest. And by the way, ottertempest.com slash every day is the URL to use yep. to let them know you're searching. He says, what was he missing? The entire time he was searching for his next car, there, part of him was having trouble parting ways with his red FJ. After pondering for months without any commitment to a new car, a new phase in his life began. Mm. Instead of searching for a car to spend a chunk of change on, it was time to spend a chunk of change on a shiny rock for the MOF to be. Congratulations, Hayden. <laughs> All right. That is a shift. And yes, you need to be careful. What you don't want to do <laughs> is show up with the, I made you a ring out of this piece of flour, but look at the car I bought. <laughs> One of those rubbery, medical, yes. uh-huh. sanitary ring I got a ring that... out of a gumball machine, but have you seen my car? That is, that is the wrong right. place. So in that regard, Hayden, I do applaud you. And he admits this takes priority over a fun car. You're absolutely right. So his budget shrank to realistically whatever money he could get for the FJ. So he put the car search on hold until his life settled down and he knew the right time would come. And he was perfectly content taking his time, getting slightly jealous, listening to us recommend all sorts of fun cars on the podcast until out of nowhere, his master plan was completely uprooted <laughs> the week before he wrote to us by a reckless driver who slammed oh. into him from the back right on his way home from work. Mm. Oh, Hayden, I'm very sorry to hear that. He spun down the highway into the guardrail, severely oh damaging the rear axle and bodywork. The good news is your FJ has only dropped in value by about three grand. <laughs> They're still super valuable. They're almost one of those cars where it's just like you wrecked it, but it's, you've got the VIN. It's an FJ. We'll fix it. That is funny. It's terrible. No, we're glad to hear no one was injured, and the other driver's insurance will cover all the costs, but the FJ is probably out for the count based on his estimate from the shop. Oh, man. So it's probably totaled, and he was considering getting rid of it, but he says it feels so much worse when it isn't on your terms. Yes, agreed. You're right. So given the urgency of his new situation and the trip to the jewelry store, (laughs) he, (laughs) he is shopping with whatever budget he gets from the insurance payout. He's sure he could stretch a few thousand to get into something else that fits just right. But to be safe without knowing final numbers, he says, let's cap it off at $25,000 okay. and the car must be a manual transmission. He's never owned one, mm. but he learned to drive on a manual and gets behind the wheel of a manual car. Every chance he gets, he says he needs back seats, tiny back seats count, okay. but just so he can bring his dog along. And he wants to have loads of new experiences in this car. He wants to try autocrossing or maybe track days. You know, at least try them out, maybe Mm -hmm. not frequently. Mm -hmm. And he's biased towards all-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive. But he can't say that he hasn't had fun in front-wheel drive hot hatches that his friends own. They just don't excite him quite as much. Okay, He's used to a 2012 truck with minimal creature comforts. And you sit in a cave and build fire and write hieroglyphics on the walls of your FJ. Yes, the FJ has put a low bar there for sure. He says he's open to any brand. He knows most things won't be quite as reliable as the bomb-proof FJ, and he can do most repair and maintenance work himself. But cars on his list, if he still had that $40,000 budget and a little bit more time, would be, of course, the GR86 and M240i, the last-generation Audi S4 or S5, and a current STI. But he says the cars on his list now at this new price point, Mm. nothing seems appealing. Mm. He drove an S4, but it was a current-gen automatic. He says it was fast, but not nearly as engaging. Yeah. He drove a 2020 STI and liked that raw feel compared to the S4, but he just 
feels like the older STI generations would be too unrefined for his commute. He did drive an automatic GR86. He longed for the manual and missed that power. Yeah. But then he drove the Supra and thought, okay, this is a whole lot faster than the GR86. Yes, it is. Even drove a 2020 manual Mustang GT. It's his very fun engine. Sort of felt like a boat. <laughs> yeah, it's a boat. Com- comparative to other things? Yeah, I see it. He says, lastly, his brother owns a 2021 Mazda 3 turbo hatch. He loves it. He says that, that all-wheel drive is so fun, but no manual mm-hmm. and too expensive. Mm-hmm. He wishes there was an obvious solution without any big drawbacks, but he doesn't see it. He's hoping that we can help him out, given, get him in something awesome very soon. Hayden, really appreciate it. He's got a couple hundred more episodes to go. We wow. hope you hear this very soon, Hayden. Agreed. I have choices for you. Good. But at that new magic price point, you are going to have to compromise a bit. You understand this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, GR86 could be what you want, but you kind of dismissed it because you were used to power. You wanted the fun power. Mm-hmm. And even though it has a back seat, it's not really a back seat, is it? It's just yeah, the thing you fold down when you're putting all the stuff in the trunk. It's dog worthy, though. It's, it's, it's dog worthy. I put my suppose. dog back there. I mean, granted, my dog's hair goes everywhere anyway, so I actually don't yeah. put him in the car, and we still look like we have a dog in the car, but it doesn't matter. But those molded buckets with the center yeah. thing, they're, they're not super comfortable. It's not a flat back seat. True. They're true. true. Yeah. The dog's going to have to be pretty small, or it will become molded. It's going to walk funny after you could, a while. Well, you could lay the back seat down and put a dog blanket, and then you get dog. Dog but back then seat. you don't need the back seat. It's well, you'd know, already okay. folded down. That's All what right. I'm saying. Fair point. Fair point. And you want some power. Yeah, that could be a way to go. We do like ours. But I thought, just to start out, how about a 911? Whoa. How about you look at 911s? Oh, for 25 grand? Well, you'd have to go back quite a ways, and that's the problem with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So I just I wanted to say it and get it off my chest. <laughs> okay. And so we'll move on to the car I, I think you really should buy, but it's at the old Magic $40,000 price point. Oh, the old Magic price. Got it. The Mini Cooper, John Cooper Works. Oh, new So one. much dang fun. And I know you're biased against front-wheel drive cars, mm-hmm. but I forgot this. I didn't forget, but I forgot that it was front-wheel drive. I didn't care anymore. Let's put it that way. Sure. I didn't okay. care that yeah. it was front-wheel yeah, yeah. drive. It was just so much fun to drive. Mm-hmm. But they're forty grand. they are more than that. They're 42 44 Yeah, I knew they are for sure. So the car that I think you should look at that does have a decent back seat, and it's not going to look like you just went out and got a fun sports car, you know, the car that you shouldn't own, because <laughs> what are you doing with it? Sports car. Okay is the Civic SI. Really? They're okay. $29,000, right. fully mm-hmm. loaded, brand new, mm-hmm. but they've got a great shifter, mm-hmm. plenty of space. Mm-hmm. They are economical, and they've got so much backseat space and trunk space, they're going to be very practical for your needs. The drawback is their front-wheel drive. Yeah. I know yeah. this, mm-hmm. but I feel the same way about the Civic SI as I do about the Mini Cooper JCW, the brand new one. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to care anymore. Okay. I think you're going to care a whole lot less because of the fun. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're a good price point. Yeah, they're not 25 grand. You're going to have to bring a few thousand, but I think that will be the the, the <laughs> car that's worth it and it'll still look like a good choice to your MOF to be. Mm. It'll still look sensible. Yeah, I see. You that. bought a Honda. I just bought a sedan. Yep. The end. But you can go have fun when you really push them. They're fun. That's good stuff. I have a couple for you, Hayden, because I, I started the same place Paul did, and that is we really did get really close to the GR86 working, and yet it still probably doesn't. Right. So I get it, I, and also a new one would blow the budget. I understand all that. There are two I want you to consider. 
One is the highest spec, most modern Camaro you can find for your budget. Camaro? Well, he said because, he felt the Mustang felt like a boat. Yes, but I think if he finds a manual V8 with a 1LE pack, he'd surprise himself with the handling. Fair enough. It's a big Fair car. Fair enough, yeah. It's a big car. That but will help. The handling of, the, of the, cor- the, the Camaro is really, really good with the 1LE pack on it. That's true. And I think you're going to want the V8. You, could, you can get a lower model with the 1LE as well. You but get the V6 with the 1LE. You, you certainly that might can. be a good so option. So maybe that's an option as well. But the highest spec, most sporty setup, modern Camaro you can find would really surprise you. Mm. And then I thought, okay, we're looking for a commute car. We want some fun. Mm-hmm. We want some sportiness. But I also get the sense you kind of want to, like, escalate. You kind of want to be like, I'm an adult now. Oh, for sure. You're saying the STI is going to be. So what I think is interesting is for you to look at Curveball, the Infinity. Now, oh. the G37 is half your budget. There are 15 or so. But the Q60 was what the G37 coupe became. It's true. They're good-looking cars. They have the the Z car engine in them. You can get them in manual. They are two plus twos, and they are luxury car sports cars. Q60. I didn't see that coming. They, it's a total curveball. They are not a fast and focused sports car. That's not their purpose. Mm-hmm. They are more GT car. Mm-hmm. But I think for what you're looking for, it might be the right car. So those are my two. The best Camaro you can find or step into the luxury feel and go with the Q60 Infinity. They are, there are a ton of those for your budget of 25 grand. And I also get the sense that this is a car that you want to have a manual to get comfortable with a manual to feel like an adult, but -hmm. it's not any kind of forever car. This is a transition car. Plus it's a, I need a car now because of your FJ taking a terrible hit. So I kind of feel like what if you had the Q60 and you have it for a year? Okay, hmm. life's going to move on. You're going to get married. It's a very nice, I've got a very nice car that does everything. It's very. It can be very luxurious. It can be sporty and fun. Have you heard the engine note? It's a really good mix. But you don't have to buy it because you're going to have it for the next 10 years. Buy it because you're going to have it for a year. It's true. You don't have to buy it because it's defining your sports car life. Not at all. It's yeah. get comfortable to the manual, step out of, a, of a, a truck that had a simple interior, be able to see out of the back. These things, you know, the crazy things hmm. that happen. Not bad. So there you go. Hayden, very sorry your FJ was totaled. Yeah, that's Keep awful. us posted on what you get, TV at gmail.com. Speaking of ministers of finance-to-be, <laughs> that sounds weird. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> okay. MOFs-to-be, Nathan says, hey, can I get a shout-out? I just got engaged this weekend. There is your shout-out. She is waiting on her minister of finance shirt. Those will come back around on Blipshift. We will let you know. Also, there is a new one on Blipshift right now that is the Cayman you have to get it, Paul. It's the it's the Cayman outline that they just they just dropped. That is happening right now. So if you go to Everyday Driver, you go to the store tab and then Blipshift. You can be looking at what's available right now on Blipshift. Some very good shirts there. I promise, Nathan and your Minister of Finance to be that the Minister of Finance shirt will return. Yes, we'll yes. let you know. Congrats to you both. I find it so funny when we're talking about you know you're in your early twenties and you want to feel like an adult, uh-huh. and then when you get later in life. You want to feel like a kid again, so you buy a stupid car that yes. makes you feel like a kid. I, I want to feel as young as drive, humanly possible. Why yes. would you drive that weird thing? That's, mm-hmm. for, that's not for old people. Well, Anthony Z writes to us on Facebook. He is being driven on this event, and he sends us a link mm-hmm. asking any rec- recommendations for a guy whose experiences are in Miatas and 86s. The website is prancinghorse.com.au. Mm-hmm. And this is a supercar drive day experience in Kiama and Southern Highlands, New South Wales. 
The website says discover Kiama in the hinterland of the Southern Highlands on a 200-kilometer supercar drive day. Stop. Featuring a brand new Ferrari F8 Tributo, a Lamborghini Huracan Evo, and a collection of supercars. Essentially, Anthony's going driving. Mm Mm-hmm. On this cool event, Super on some day. what looks like really good roads. Though 200 kilometers is not very far. It's but not very far, yeah. but still cool. You can rise under the plateau of the Southern Highlands for a leisurely stop at the, I can't pronounce, Burrowang General <laughs> Store. Burrowang. Yeah, it, that, that wrecks the, the marketing speak there. But it is quite good marketing speak. And the photos are all fantastic with lens flare and <laughs> yeah. late daylight. Everybody's smiling. Everything is perfect magic hour. Apparently, in that part of the world, it's just magic hour all the time. Hear the roar of the engines bouncing over the Southern Highlands, finally arriving at the calm inlet of Jeroa Estuary. How much do those farmers hate that those people come through there all the time? Like, I'm just asking. Oh, it's that group again coming uh-huh. through. They're back. Yeah. Well, I think you should be last. Anthony, I think you should, whatever oh, car okay. you're in, be dead last. Just make it, position it so you're being the gentleman and you're just waving on generously, magnanimously, waving everybody on to go ahead. <laughs> Whereas when you're at the back, you can really try that car because then you can just drop back, mm-hmm. nail it, baby. And you don't have anybody behind you going, what is this guy Interesting. doing? There might be a cleanup car, but I did, but you're right. But the cleanup car will drop back too. They'll That's drop their purpose. Back. Yeah. And then you can actually get to know the car because mm-hmm. you're going to want not just do fast straight line kind of stuff, but you're going to want to take some curves at your own pace, at your own comfort level, knowing there's nobody behind you to yeah. Yeah, push yeah. you along. You're right. And you can catch up whenever you get to the place when you get there. Who mm-hmm. cares? But be generous and take whatever car you trade out into. Just hang out back of the pack and then do what you want to get your experiences out of it. Rather than I got to leave. I got to be there first. That's really and then, good. The day's over. Crap. Anthony, with your experience, I have two other things to add. And that is you've been driving well-balanced low power comparatively sports cars. Mm -hmm. Okay. You were getting in the opposite and it's going to seem a little bit daunting. I'm going to tell you a couple little things to to think about. First off, those cars, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, et cetera, they want to keep their uh, well-heeled owners in check. So they'll buy another car. So typically they are set up probably for more understeer than you would expect. Also, they are mid-engine cars, which if not driven right, have a tendency to reveal understeer. Mm-hmm. So think about that. You're not used to that. That's a good point. Because the, the 86 and the, and the Miata are not set up the same as a mid-engine exotic car. Very true. So there's going to be more understeer available. So that's part of it. Also, please remember that the gas pedal is on a hinge. My point being, it does not have two settings, up and down. It doesn't have floorboard and the top. <laughs> okay. This is how people invariably get themselves. Like, I just drove out of the dealer and I wrecked my exotic car. That's it's because true. I put my foot to the carpet. There's a lot of travel there with a lot of power available. Initially, use that power in a straight line and explore it with a slow movement of the gas pedal. As to when the power comes on. So that you understand, yeah. oh, it's got yeah. more. Oh, my God, it's still got more. Don't just shock yourself. I'm going to put it on the floor, see what it does. Yeah, I don't. guarantee yeah. people do that. They will also do it coming out of corners. This is how people spin. So keep in mind that it is a mid-engine car designed with some understeer to protect owners and mm-hmm. has a lot more power than you're used to. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm just saying these are the things to kind of investigate. And I love Paul's idea of staying at the back. Frequented, generous intervals are scheduled throughout the day to ensure our customers receive. All right, you're doing very on. well. Yeah, enjoy your day. Let us know how it goes over on Instagram. TK Hockey Five Ten has a question for Todd for you, Todd, as a writer. Mm. He's got to write two best man speeches. <laughs> Hasn't written anything in a while. Any tips or tricks on the process? Because I write best man speeches weekly, constantly. No, I. <laughs> 
Uh, I'll say a couple of things. What were you going to say, though? I'm going to jump in and talk about your wife because okay. we recently went to my niece's wedding. Mm-hmm. Yes. But the long speeches, this was your wife's suggestion. This is Kate's suggestion. Mm-hmm. Need to be given at the rehearsal dinner, mm-hmm. not the wedding. As much as everybody cares, people just kind of want to get through that part of the wedding. Yeah. I yeah, think. Yeah. And to whom those speeches are really addressed, those are probably the most important people attending the rehearsal dinner. That's a fair point. So get yeah. the long stuff out there and just give a great toast, a quick, concise toast to the happy couple. That's good. On the day of the actual wedding. That's I good. Thought, yes. Save the speeches, save the boring, save mm-hmm. the tears for the. That's great. That's really good. And then at the wedding, just congratulations. At the rehearsal dinner, you're right. You can delve into the story that makes you cry and the stuff that I have to tell you how special this person is. You can delve into the deep stuff at the rehearsal dinner. That's great. I will say this. That doesn't mean it can't be part of the wedding. But I'm going to say a couple things to you. We got the highlights? Yes. No, seriously. (laughs) I I want you to write this out and then keep rewriting it to see how short you can make it. Mm. Write it. Figure out what it is. What what story are you telling? What what things do you want to do? And I'm going to give you a couple other hints. But write it out and then figure out everything you don't need and take it all out. Mm. How fast can you tell the story? Think about it in terms of a joke. How fast can you tell a joke? I know plenty of people that tell really good jokes. I also know some people that tell good jokes that are twice as long as they need to be. Sure. You keep adding detail, and the detail hasn't made the joke better. It's just made me focus on you longer, which is not what this is about. Mm-hmm. You want the, everybody to focus on the couple. So figure out True. your story and tell the shortest version of that story. That, that, and if, if that little detail is important to the story, keep that detail in. But if it's not, take it out. Yeah. The other thing I will yeah. say is think about the way comedians write. One of the interesting things that almost all comedians do, if you listen to a really good comic, is somewhere in their act they will tell a joke that is a reference joke. And then they will almost always close with re-referencing the joke from earlier is the close. So find an open that you can circle back to to close. So short with bookends and you'll do fine. See, it's like in filmmaking where everybody just wants you to give them the 30-second elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. As long as an elevator ride takes, usually 30 seconds. If you can't pitch it and describe it in 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. same thing in design. A quote from logo designer Kurt Wiedemann says, you have to be able to draw the logo in the sand with your toe. Uh, That means it's got to be plain and simple. That's mm. what makes a successful logo. That's what makes a successful film pitch, a new series pitch. Mm -hmm. If you can explain it in that short of a time, you're doing really well. You can hang plenty of extra stuff on it, but yeah, succinct is amazing. Mystic Negro is back. See this? Love this question. He says, despite what movies would have us believe, good getaway cars are not fast. They just blend in. (laughs) So after Everyday Driver, apparently you and I are going to turn to lives of crime. Now, that might be the only way to make a good living. Anyway, the point is, when we start our careers as wheelmen for hire, what would we pick? He says in his area, it would be a white Tesla Model Y driven five miles an hour over the speed limit because no one would ever notice. I would say for our area locally, there are two things. Okay. If it's actually the Park City area, what you could get away with is a completely blacked out Escalade. Because uh-huh. people just think that's a transport car. It's the livery from the airport just, to Park City. I'm taking people back and forth. Yeah. But if it's the greater Salt Lake area, mm-hmm. white or gray Subaru Outback. 
That's really good. Driven at the speed limit. Uh-huh. And, and, and and that you'll be sweating because you're the getaway driver and you're driving the speed limit. It's great. But if everybody just sits there, and here's the thing, if you pile, here, here, here'd be the trick. You get some sort of covering for all the bags of money that looks like piles of sleeping bags and stuff. Or you have sleeping bags that you can pile on top. So you have four yeah. big guys sitting there calmly in a Subaru Outback <laughs> with what looks like sleeping bags in the back in your white or gray Subaru Outback, possibly even with bikes in the tailgate or on the roof. That's the cops good. will never know. That Yakima roof box, that sleek yes. aerodynamics yes. full of that's, cash. That's perfect. That's full perfect. Of cash. The Yakima rack has got all the cash, and the cops will drive by that car at 150 while it goes 55 in a 55 zone and will never get pulled over. That is good. Damn it, Patton has a question for us here. Since we showed on our Instagram recently a couple of engine swapped cars, from the most recent Cars and Coffee of uh, our Park City Car Club here. Andrew asks, do we see the Singerized Miata as something people would want? Mm. Vision an updated interior with a tasty four- or six-cylinder engine. What other cars do we think would be appealing to Singerize, like the Elise? Maybe the Elise. Mm-hmm. And Singerization indicates... <laughs> Singerization. Wait, I, have, I literally have to type that out to look at it. Singerization is a fantastic word. Bravo. I am very impressed. You, you all know what I'm talking about. Yes, we it's do. Like that's what's crazy. Yes. All right? You know what I'm talking about. But that implies light weighting along with very high-end production techniques, a lot mm-hmm. of carbon fiber, a lot of leather, a lot of beautiful craftsmanship. As far as a Miata is concerned, I think people just want to beat the snot out of the Miatas. Just want to the go whole, drive them. The whole point is cheap. Not that you can't do that with 911s, and there are pl- plenty of people who track 911s, sure, and they beat sure, the sure. snot out of those mm-hmm. too. But the Miata just seems like today is yet another beat the cheese out of yes. the Miata. Let's go do that. And its whole premise is affordable driving, mm-hmm. which the 911 has has a mystique about it that the Miata doesn't. There's a cachet to it. Mm. But I have the cars. I have oh. the perfect one. Okay, great. It needs to be singerized. Okay. It's the Ferrari Dino. That's a good one. From the mid-70s. You're so right. Imagine that car, carbon-fibered and light-weighted and titaniumed and nickel-plating trim. And Modern engines. Yeah. That's the styling that the Elise was actually modeled after. Is it really? No yes, kidding. It's, it, was, it's a Dino. It was like an updated version of the Dino. Can we get there? Yeah. It's like, it made me think of all these older, unloved cars, or maybe they never quite had their due, or they mm, never mm. c- kind of came about in the pantheon of Monterey Weekend and Pebble Beach, yeah. like the Testarossas and the F40s and the F50s, mm. and everybody's just yawning, like, yep, those are expensive and amazing. How about the De Tomaso Pantera? Yeah. A singerized freaking. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Carbon fiber, everything. How about the Lamborghini Yalpa or Yarama? Hmm. Unknown Lamborghinis that are sort of like, what is that thing? Imagine a craftsmanship on that. Yeah, okay. Lancia Stratos. That's a great one. <sighs> that was a fantastic one, yeah. Now, l- there is somebody already doing that. Uh, it's new-stratos.com. Mm-hmm. But they're having them built by a company in Torino called Manifatura Automobili Torino. Sure. They actually build the Sc- Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus cars, the mm-hmm. Le Mans and yeah, the street yeah. version of those, and that Apollo IE that you and I saw at Spa. Which is... Uh, build it's those a, things yeah, there. Crazy car come to life. BMW 2002. See, that cool. that is one that I think would get a real market going. I, I think, think it's so 2002, too. done in the Singer style. That I think people would line up for that car. How about the original Mini Cooper, back from the 60s? Yes, completely. 1947 Cheese Italia 202, the car that you, inspired the first Corvette. List. Yes. The 
old a Bartz, like the 1950-205A, just a tiny little two-seater, mm, unknown, but beautiful Italian styling. I really kind of want a Singer 2002 now, now that you brought it up. That's kind of, that's a, that's yes. a word in my brain. How about old Maseratis like the 1974 Maroc SS? Make them run. Got it. Instead of that 190 horsepower, three liter V6, how about something nasty in there? <laughs> Carbon fiber. <laughs> yes. And then finally, the Iso Otto Vecoli, which built the Iso Grifo and Iso Revolta. Richard Grio of Grio's Garage completely modified an Iso Revolta. There are only 300 of those built, and he got a hold of one that was worth i think seven or eight thousand dollars and it rusted from beat. the belt line to the ground yep completely rebuilt it into a show car that was exhibited at sema and won second place uh there at sema a couple and, years ago and two they years didn't ago. build it as a sema car that's my favorite thing about it they didn't build it as a sema car they built it like richard was like i'm gonna save this car i'm gonna make it into something that never existed it's gonna be really cool yeah you know what we should do we're going to sema anyway because they have a nice booth there at sema we should just enter it and they yeah. got second it was, I think and it's they a real it. it's vision awesome. for that car because, yeah. you know, down to the taillight choices, he went to different taillights. Uh, I think he went to round instead of the original square taillights yeah. that were on there that kind of fought with the, the styling, yeah. put a seven liter big block in that thing, gorgeous wheels. It was really turned out. It turned, it looks yeah. amazing. I, we still have never he driven it. We still kind of did that, but it's, yeah. it's only one. But, yeah. you know, with those kind of cars, absolutely. You've made me think of one other one. Okay, go. The original, like the late 70s Super Wedge Lotus Esprit. Yes. One of the most iconic yes. designs ever. Take that oh. and make it modern, make it run, make it luxurious. Mm. And put any kind of engine you want. Whatever. Who cares? doesn't matter what yeah. kind of power it is, but lightweighted, That'd titanium, be cool. That'd nickel. be really cool. Uh, Did you somebody see that has to do this. <laughs> Waffle is writing to us on Twitter. Waffleophagus helps us run our Discord. In fact, he was the original catalyst for us having a Discord. If you aren't on uh, our Discord, it's because you are not a patron. We do have patron. Uh, you can be a patron with us through Patreon. It is actually really cool. We have multiple layers that get multiple benefits, like every Patreon on the planet. You can get there through our website, everydaydriver.com. You can click the button to get right to our patron page. Besides all the layers, I will say this, though. Everybody that's a patron can be on Discord, and it is a really cool community that, that the people on there keep reminding us how cool it is, yeah, which yeah. is very, very fun. So all of the, the people that are on Discord thoroughly enjoy it, and they, they do their own little meetups, and also they get early access to pilgrimage signups and yes. meetup signups. They get early access there as one of our thank yous Best to them. friends so, have happened. Crazy car things. Sales, car sales. Car swaps. All yeah. kinds of crazy stuff has happened on there. People are, are debating cars for each other on there. Paul and I will get on and be like, well, this this blew up. And it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really cool. It's so funny. It's, it's very fun. Yeah. So anyway, so Waffle Opagus helped us run that, and I love his avatar, by the way. But he says, he wants me to talk about drive share because I have my Lotus. I had to read between the lines here, but what's happening is I know what he's. I have for. my Lotus on drive share, and he's going. I have a car. I think I want to put on there, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. He's an owner wanting to actually drive share his car. I have my Lotus Elise on there, much to my son's chagrin. <laughs> That's right. His most stressful days. That's right. Are the days that that Lotus Elise is out being driven by someone else on drive share. He is terrified all day. He's like checking. Like, Dad, have you heard anything? Like, buddy, it's going to be okay. You have been pretty open handed. I, I I try to be because that car is really really fun. I have had no problems with this waffle, and that is because Haggerty has set up a system that is very similar to Turo. If you've ever used Turo as a as a renter or as a uh, person that is an owner, very simple system where you do the photos and you do the check-in, and it walks you through all the steps when you're standing there with the person renting the car. 
Haggerty backs it with their own insurance, which just makes sense. Yeah. Okay. You do have the ability to set rules for your car that go beyond the weird Turo rules. Turo kind of seems to be set up like, you know, I dropped my keys in a Dropbox somewhere. Good luck to you. Okay. I mean, honestly, you can actually, and, and and it's in the fine print, but you can actually on Turo, you can refuse a rental. You can stand there with the person and be like, you know, I'm not comfortable. You, you get to you, vet, uh, vet out somebody. And when I rent yeah. my Lotus out, I take people there. I have a little, I have a parking lot we meet in, and there's a road up and back that we do. And I mm-hmm. put them in the driver's seat, and I just say, let's go. Mm-hmm. Because I want to see that they can shift the car. Mm-hmm. I don't want people showing up that can't drive a manual. And invariably, when I sit in the passenger seat and I watch them drive, I remember all of the driving things I know subconsciously about the car. And I'd be like, oh, that's right. For the air conditioning, be sure you do this. When you're driving, be sure you notice this. Okay, look at how the temp gauge reads because that's when you can get the, the second cam. I remember all these There's things. things to know. Right, that you've so, taken yeah, for granted. Exactly. So you can – and I, I require that. you got to sit with me. We've got to do this little drive. That gives me a lot more peace of mind. And everyone that has rented my car has loved it, and the system's worked fine. It's not the test drive. It's the drive test. Exactly. First. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. We post on Mondays and Thursdays, generally, on social media. Write to us your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and most of all, your car debates. You know where to reach us. We're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.